Content warning. Tone Deaf is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the shows we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I, 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 I am Warren. <laughs> My wife says I can sing, but I'm still musically challenged. <laughs> and welcome to this new episode, Tone Deaf. Oh my god. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so I hope everyone out there is being safe and practicing safe social distancing. And, and washing their hands. Yes, please, God, wash your hands. Cleaning surfaces, coughing mm-hmm. into your elbow, mm-hmm. you know, like things that you should be doing normally, but it sound, seems like a lot of people don't do these things normally. Yeah, and uh, taking care of folks who are elderly or immune-compromised or have pre-existing conditions, because... Like my wife. Yeah, we... Don't uh, Yeah, this, is, this has been scary, because I've had a cough for, like, the last week and shortness of breath. It feels like an elephant's been sitting on my chest, and I'm just going, oh, boy. Because we all remember swollen face disease, so. Yes. But we still don't know what caused that. <laughs> so maybe maybe you're like Mr. Burns in that episode where he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, imagine that there's this doorway and you got all of these viruses and illnesses trying to cram through that doorway at the same time and they're just stuck. So what you're saying is, I'm completely invulnerable. Oh no, a stiff breeze could completely <laughs> invulnerable. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, I'm vulnerable as fuck. <laughs> But yeah, so just I I hope that all of y'all are being safe. Please stay in please stay inside uh or uh, like just limit your time out and about cuz it does protect us that can't fight this off. So my heart goes out to anybody who is in a a uh societal necessity. Yeah, those are those of y'all in the grocery jobs and the hospital jobs and uh, just all these jobs that have been now deemed as essential but are still not getting paid what they should be getting paid. I'm I'm getting very close to just burn down the system. Yeah. <laughs> over this because I'm like, if if you're gonna say that the people handling our food don't deserve fifteen an hour, then uh, shame on you. Because they do, and hospital workers deserve way more than what they've been getting, and they've been getting overworked, and it's been overburdening, and it just pisses me off, and yeah. So, yeah, Kay and I have been uh, social distancing. I think we're going a little bit crazy from news as well as... Yeah, just... it's it's been it's been a little rough. Like, the, the staying inside part isn't the hard part for us, because we're, we're both... In, we're introverts anyway. Yeah, and, like, I I mean, this is heaven for me, honestly, not having <laughs> to go out and about and worry about other people. 
but just knowing what's going on on the outside has me just going and like one of my friends is a flight attendant and still has to do flights yeah and i just i worry about her every day i'm just like oh no so i guess the takeaway is uh be clean be courteous and be cautious yeah the three c's the three c's clean courteous cautious yes and the courteous part of that is cover your fucking mouth if you're an open mouth coffer and he says that with his middle finger (laughs) yes because i went index finger is clean middle finger is courteous and then ring finger was cautious and then put those two down and just left up that middle (laughs) so let's hop off our soapbox and from one bit of revolution to another (laughs) Today we're going to end our accidentally Oz-themed month (laughs) with a wildly popular musical. And I'm not sure if this is going to be the biggest Broadway Matryoshka doll or not. What the fuck did you just say? A Broadway Matryoshka doll? Matryoshka doll? Matryoshka doll? Matryoshka, the nesting doll. Oh, Russian nesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I totally mispronounced that, but I'm going to blame... Stir crazy. I don't know. Uh, Comrade K did very good job pronouncing (laughs) the Russian word. So this musical is based on book that was based on movie. We are going to do this based on the book. Entire episode in the Russian accent. Uh, Your dog, dog in crate, just sighed. We absolutely not going to do this entire (laughs) episode with Russian accent. Dosvidonia, comrade. (laughs) So Wicked is based on a. 1995 book called Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West by Gregory Maguire, which in turn was based on both the 1939 MGM version of Woz and the original book, Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Did you say Woz? Yes. Was that just shortened? That's okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I just have never... Oz heads. (laughs) I've just never heard you say Woz before. And then I, I see and I can't... When I hear an Oz head, I think people who are just way into Ozzy Osbourne. That's true. Ozzyans, I guess, is better, even though See, we're even not then, citizens of Oz. I still, that still makes me think of Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> there are two kinds of people. <laughs> Warren, and then everyone else. <laughs> so, Stephen Schwartz, who I adore, composed the music, and this is, and he really is the reason that this show exists, and I'll get into that. Um, and then Winnie Holtzman, who did The Wonder Years in My So-Called Life, wrote the book of the musical. Okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do my best to try and not showcase as much of my musically challenged. Schwartz, Stephen Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Schwartz and Sondheim. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Stephen Schwartz is responsible for Godspell, yes. right? Yes. Stephen Sondheim is responsible for Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods. Yes. Yeah. And we also covered another Schwartz one, which was Pippin. Okay. Okay. Yes. Schwartz, Pippin, and Godspell. Yes. Okay. And so this is another Schwartz musical. Okay. And his shows are some of my favorites. Like this one, huh? uh, when we do Children of Eden, holy fuck balls that show is so musically just oh but (laughs) you're um, so cute when you're excited (laughs) thanks babe so this the book of wicked is not family friendly ah 
the book, which I haven't read the whole thing, but I have read a lot about it. And so when you say not family friendly, is it like violence and sexual content? Oh, yes. There is rape. Oh, there is Jesus. infidelity. There's a civil war. There's government corruption. So much murder. <laughs> so it, it's it's a much more adult take on the source material. Yes. And it's basically like before the source material and then a little bit during it. And because um, this true. is a prequel. Yeah, that's basically. true. Because all the Wizard of Oz stuff, you know, Wicked Witch is already wicked. And yes. This is, this is supposed to be how she became to be wicked, right? Yes. And it is. Whew. So I haven't read the book and reading what the source material had. I don't know if I ever will because it's some trigger stuff yeah it's brutal and maybe i'll be able to read it someday but it's just one of those like oh like there's there's some plot points in the musical that they barely touch on that in the book it's like heavy as fuck <laughs> the way you're talking about it it's because you you know some of the content you mentioned made me think about when i was uh listening to the game of thrones books mm -hmm. and i'm just like boy this is hard because there's lots of, yeah, you know, lots of unkindness towards people uh, in vulnerable situations. And yeah. now my brain is like sitting here going, okay, so Wicked is like Game of Thrones meets Wizard of Oz. Oh, man, it's it's heavy. Like just from reading about it. I'm I was, actually kind of intrigued. I wonder if they have it on Audible. I would, I would be curious to listen to it on Audible because it might be... Plug for Audible. Sponsor us because I already give you my money. Yes. Um, the, the book, like, there are, oh, there, there are things I remember when, uh, I was, I, I remember when Wicked was first coming out as a musical and there were some folks that I knew who had read the book who were just like, yeah, I wouldn't, I would let my kids see the musical, but they absolutely won't read the book until they're much, much older. <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was very interesting. So let's let's talk about the musical now. Uh, let's. So Wicked the Musical went into production in 1998 after Stephen Schwartz had discovered the book and was like, oh my god, I need to make this into a musical. But McGuire had already sold the rights to Universal, who was like, this would make an awesome live-action movie. Which, it would. It really would. And Schwartz, being awesome, per persuaded not only McGuire, but also Universal that this musical needed to exist. Oh. So Universal actually helped out with the musical. Interesting. I wonder why I never got a movie then. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> the look on your face was so great. Oh, God. And then the, then the frown. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I'm mad. So uh, he brought on Winnie Holtzman to write the book and collaborated with Universal's Mark Platt to create an adaptation of the book that was quite a bit different in its scope and focus. Because, see, the book is truly going to be the life and times of Elphaba, whereas uh, the musical focuses more on the friendship of Elphaba and Galinda, which is only part of the book. Because... Uh, Elphaba and Glinda kind of go their separate ways for a bit in the book. They're all sisters, right? All the witches? Not in this. Oh, okay. Uh, only in some adaptations of Wizard of Oz, and I'm trying to remember if the book goes that route or not, um, but 
yeah, it's it's been a while since I've read all of the Oz books. Um, Fair anyway. enough. <laughs> you know me. I'm just going to throw out random questions that pop into my squirrel brain. No worries. I, I should have prepared for that one. But uh, <laughs> to, to quote Schwartz, he said, Primarily we were interested in the relationship between Galinda, who becomes Glinda, and Alphaba. The friendship of these two women and how their characters lead them to completely different destinies. So there are so many changes to this. The musical ends downright happy compared to the book. The book does not end on a good note. Yeah. yeah. The musical ends on a better note. So it went into readings in early 2000, and Kristen Chenoweth was brought in very early on to be Glinda slash Galinda, and she was actually who Schwartz had in mind for the role from the very beginning. Uh, Stephanie, Stephanie J. Block was Elphaba throughout the workshop process, but the role ended up going to Idina Menzel in late 2000. You might remember her from Rent and Frozen. Yeah, she Idina was Menzel. Elsa. Um, and Stephanie J. Block actually ended up in The Boys from Oz, uh, which is another musical we'll cover at some point, but that was what kind of led to her not being Elphaba for this. But later she'd end up in the national tour. So... Interesting. Yeah, one of the more iconic songs, uh, What Is This Feeling, is inspired by Nobody's Side from Chess, which is another musical that we'll cover that has one of my favorite songs of all time in it. All right, Joe Mantello was brought in as director, and we'll be talking about him a lot later in uh, later episodes because he is Broadway famous. Uh, Wayne Salento, Cil it's either Salento, Chilento, or Kilento. Not sure. Caesar weird. Um, Chilento sounds cool. Chilento sounds cool. He's Chilento now. Um, and we'll probably talk about him when we do Chorus Line was the choreographer. And the Aussian sets were created by Eugene Lee, who took inspiration from the original illustrations of the Oz books by W.W. W. Denslow. Uh, Susan Hilferty is responsible for the twisted Edwardian style, as they call it, of the costumes. And Kenneth Posner was brought in for lighting. By April of 2003, they had a full cast and were ready for the San Francisco tryouts, which ran from June 10th of 2003 to June 29th of 2003 at the Koran Theater in San Francisco. And these went well because Schwartz saw the mixed critical reception of these tryouts and went, okay, this is what I need to fix. Here, I'm going to fix it. Instead of going like, no, it's perfect. He was like, okay, good. I need this criticism, thank you very much. And that's why Stephen Schwartz is one of my favorites. Um, he he made sure that Glinda didn't overshadow Elphaba, because reviews had mentioned that that was kind of an issue, because Christian Chenoweth is such a big personality, and Glinda takes on this big personality, but she's not the main character. So they kind of had to balance that out a little bit. Um, and then he rewrote parts of the script, he replaced songs, and he made this show into the powerhouse it is today. Now, Schwartz was using leitmotif in this show in ways that weren't really being done in modern musicals at the time. What's leitmotif? It's a uh, piece of music that goes like... Oh, okay, gotcha. Kind of like how when we were watching Together Forever and Stephen's talking with Connie and you hear the... Da, 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 da. The, the, that uh, so, leitmotif that she has. So leitmotif is. It. So so sorry. When 
you know me, whenever you say it's like this with this music, my brain does not remember that. So, because you, you pick out music way better than Did I do. So, ever... well, let me finish oh, my thoughts. Because so, <laughs> I need to frame it in a way that Warren Brain okay. understands. So, leitmotif, is that just a uh, uh, reoccurring piece of music that changes depending on the scene? Kind of, yeah. Um, that's one way of using it. Another, think of... Did you ever see Peter and the Wolf when you were a kid? The cartoon? The cartoon as well, or like sometimes they would drag you to the symphony to listen to it, but it's... I only only ever saw like the cartoon. Okay, so the cartoon does do this, because Peter and the Wolf is a classic uh, symphony where each of the characters have their own instrument and their own theme. And so anytime that something happens with the duck, you hear the duck's music, and then if you hear something with the wolf, the wolf has a certain set of music, and the boy has a certain set of music, the cat, etc. So, so... so is that, so you're saying a certain music and instruments, so it's just one instrument for a character, so when they're all together, then you have multiple instruments? Um, for Peter and the wolf, yes. Okay. But, like, leitmotif basically is using either an instrument or a piece of music to... Uh, bring a theme out or bring a character out. And in this case, he used it to... uh, He used it to kind of bring out some of the themes in this show, and he plays with it in interesting ways. Uh, One theme, one leitmotif that he has is unlimited, and I'm going to demonstrate it for you. Okay. Unlimited, together we're... Now, there's something interesting about that one, so I'm going to sing it again for you, and then I'm going to sing it to the tune that he grabbed it from. Unlimited, together we're... Now. Unlimited, together... What does that sound like? somewhere yes he grabbed to quote his joke where he referenced over the rainbow in this motif he said according to copyright law when you get to the eighth note then people can come in and say oh you stole our tune (laughs) (laughs) the eighth note so you can rip off seven notes but not interesting and so uh of course Obviously, it's also disguised in that it's completely different rhythmatically, and it's harmonized completely differently. It's over a different chord and so on, but it's still the first seven notes of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Interesting. Yes. Musical copyrights. Learning new things every day, Warren. Yes, and most of the time it's in a minor chord, which which in the show kind of hides it better, Um, and he does it like once in a major chord, which is where you can kind of go, oh shit, that's somewhere over the rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... (coughs) My voice did not want to sing. I would just like to say, Kay represented proper coughing etiquette, coughed into her elbow, turned away from me. So let's, everybody, give a round of applause to Kay. I feel like an elephant's on my chest. I'm not sitting on you. Should not. You're not an elephant. You're a Warren. Um, 
most so he also reuses a theme from an earlier musical he worked on as a musical director uh which was called the survival of saint joan now this is not common for schwartz because he usually doesn't reuse theme f themes from earlier shows but he does it here and uh, he uses it in the overture to make it kind of sound like a giant shadow is terrorizing you, and this is where he's using instruments with the leap motif. In this time, he's using it very heavy on brass and percussion, which makes it feel more overpowering and domineering. But later, he uses it in As Long As You're Mine with piano and electric bass to become a love song. Interesting. And he also uses it as a main theme in No One Mourns the Wicked. Stephen motherfucking Schwartz. <laughs> Schwartz motherfuckers. I love this dude. <laughs> He's fucking amazing. Anyway, <clears throat> Wicked started or started the Broadway previews on October 8th, 2003 at the Gershwin Theater, opening officially on October 30th. It has been there ever since. Really? In fact, I think probably this break in productions on Broadway right now is its only break. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It has been going so fucking long. It it grabbed Les Mis as it clung tightly to its spot as the fifth longest running musical, and it curb stomped it with its six hundred or six thousand six hundred and eighty first performance for yeah, performance on October 28, 2019. Wow. In lieu of flowers, Les Mis's surviving family requests bread to be delivered to 55 Rue Clemet. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was great, though. Warren also demonstrated <laughs> proper coughing etiquette. So... Notable cast members other than Menzel and Chenoweth are Joel Grey as the wizard. He was in Cabaret, Pal Joey, Come Blow Your Horn, George M. Okay, maybe you'll remember. <laughs> I, I did sneak in that one to see what you would say, but he was really in a show called Come, Come Blow Your Horn, but... <laughs> You may remember this one. God, I'm a fucking 12-year-old. <laughs> you may remember this one that uh, Joel Grey was in. He was the narrator for the Tom and Jerry movie. I don't quite remember that movie all that well. It's been quite some time. I will never forget that movie. <laughs> as long as I live, scenes from that movie will play in my brain. I just remember not liking it that much. It, it, it confused me but I watched it a lot because I was a big Tom and Jerry kid. Anyway. Well, I was too. Another person, Norbert Leo Butts. Interesting. Uh, I just like the name. Uh, was Fierro, and he was also in one of my personal least favorite shows, five e or last five years off-Broadway, and he was in your least favorite show that shall not be named that same year. Lioness was in Carousel? Mm-hmm. Lioness? Leo Butts. Oh my god. <laughs> god. Jesus. Yep, Leo Butts was in the musical <laughs> that shall not be named. Um, Norbert Leo Butts. 
uh, or Norbert Butts. Um, and he was in oh, last. Oh, Norbert Leo Butts. Yes. Uh, and he was in the last five years, which is one of my least favorite shows. I was, yeah. I mean, that show wasn't, because side, sidebar, we saw, we went and saw a production of that, um, because our friend, uh, Cookie was playing, playing cello. cello in it. And, uh, I, I don't know, I didn't not like the show, but of course the, the subject material, you know, gave me feelings yeah and i don't like having those feelings in my brain that's fair it's not it's a bad feeling for me so i just am like nope fuck that show uh carol augusta shelley was madame morrible and she is fucking amazing not only did she create this role but she was billy elliott's grandmother in the original broadway cast of billy elliott in 2008 and this is fucking awesome so you know the odd couple right yeah 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 the classic straight man couple thing was a play, then a movie, then a TV show. She is one of only two people, the other person being Monica Evans, who played her sister, who was in the stage play, the film, and the TV show. Nice. That's excellent for her. Carol motherfucking Shelley. Okay. So, the North American tour ran from 2005 to 2015, and this has been performed in professional theaters in Chicago, L.A., and notably for us, the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco. And I say notably for us because guess who played Nessa Rose, a.k.a. the Wicked Witch of the East, in this production? Oh, don't ask me. You know I'm good. I, I'm just going to take two random names and throw them together. Who do you think? Uh, Vanessa Smith. Do you want a hint? I could use 20 hints. It's a show that we absolutely adore. That is it one we've seen live? No, this is from a cartoon that we absolutely oh, adore. Oh, okay. Well, then I know it has to do with Steven Universe. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay. It's not Patty Lapone. No. Uh, uh, I, I don't... Names, you, mu, muse, me, Warren, musically challenge. I love all of their voices. Um, Dee Dee Magnum? Yes. What? Yes. She's in that? She's been in Wicked. Nice. Yeah. I don't think we'll see her in this version, but I wanted to point that out because Dee Dee just. Yeah. I love Dee Dee. Oh, I love her so much. Absolutely. I love her so much. Absolutely. I love Pearl. I love her. She's, she's amazing. Anyway, uh, on the West End, the show underwent some changes to adapt it for British audiences, which is a thing that happens sometimes. It notably backfired with Avenue Q when they tried to change Gary Coleman into a different character, thinking that audiences wouldn't know who Gary Coleman was. <laughs> Guess what? Audiences in the UK do indeed know who Gary Coleman is. Rest in peace, Gary. Yep. Uh, this show opened in... September of 2006, and is the version that I saw. Though, um, I did not see Menzel in it. She was in it just until, uh, the New Year, uh, in 2007. Uh, we saw it after New Year's Eve, which is when Carrie Ellis took over the role as the first British woman to ever play Elphaba. But we either saw her or the understudy Cassidy Johnson, but I can definitely say we did not see Idina Menzel when we saw Wicked. Okay. 
So this show's been performed all over the world as well, as well, with international productions being mounted in the UK, Ireland, Canada, Singapore, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Japan, Finland, Germany, Mexico, South Korea, and Brazil. Wow, I felt like you were doing that uh, wacko song where he sings all the countries. <laughs> United States, Panama, Mexico, Canada, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Okay, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, there was supposed to be a live-action film version produced by Universal, with it being announced in 2016. This is where Kay's... For a December 2019 release date. Want to know what it got pushed back for? Really? Fuck you, cats. Uh, Fuck you, cats. Weber? Weber? Weber, look at me. The rivalry's back on. Weber? Weber, look at me. Look at me. Rivalry? Back on. Until the Michael Jackson's Glove musical comes on. Uh. <laughs> rivalry's back. There, there should be, uh, I hate to say this, but there should be laws in place against creative freedom for, <laughs> for some, for some things, for some things. So, um, if I still had a soul, I would sell it to the devil to get some of these things to not happen. What did you sell it for last time? I'm pretty sure I gave it to you. Aww. I'm pretty sure I bequeathed it to you because I had no, like, fortune to offer you anything. I was like. It was like, please, pretty black lady, will you marry me? I'll give you my soul. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Um, so, Wicked will be released as a film on December 22nd, 2021, unless they decide that a Starlight Express movie is more pressing. No! No! Weber? Weber. Weber? No. <laughs> you know, I, I, I almost want to write a musical that is just making fun of Andrew Lloyd Webber and all of his musicals. <laughs> I want I want to make a grudge production that is just hate-fucking Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> for two hours. Just... <laughs> I mean, Phantom was good, but... <laughs> yeah, still had its share of that shittery nonsense, but... Oh, God. Is Phantom the only one of his musicals we've seen where he didn't shove Jesus in for no reason? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, well, Cats doesn't have Jesus, but it does have a cat cult. So, I don't know if that's better. I guess that's fair. And there Joseph is... didn't have Jesus in it. Yes, it was the Bible, but it was pre-Jesus, so... I'm still not over he's, Jesus. He's not... <laughs> <laughs> or Jesus Christ Superstar. I mean, to be fair. To be fair. None of his Jesus-y allegories in his shows are religious. It's definitely from a more secular take. However, still, don't, don't fuck this up. Still. I, I want my Wicked movie, goddammit. you, Weber. <laughs> what my fucking wicked movie <laughs> i think what Kay and i are trying to say is still fuck you weber oh man I, we 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 have fun here we joke <laughs> we joke we joke for the most part but <laughs> if if a starlight express movie preempts wicked i'm gonna be so fucking mad <laughs> so i'm gonna fly to wherever he lives to take a shit on his front door 
or well, something. You'd also know. have to take it up with Universal since they were the ones to make the decision of, oh no, we'll just preempt Wicked with the Cats movie. Release the butthole cut, Universal. <laughs> anyway, um, this show has won and been nominated <clears throat> for so many awards that it has its own page on Wikipedia. Oh, wow. While it didn't win the Tony for Best Musical, Menzel did nab the Best Actress Tony, and both she and Chenoweth were nominated for it that year. Nice. So, like, Wicked was probably going to win it either way. It was just, is it Elphaba or is it Glinda? And honestly, this is it's my kind of favorite role of Menzel's. Like, absolutely, hands down, my favorite role of hers. So, Is the version we're going to see have Menzel? I don't believe so. Okay. I think that this is a... It, but is it like, when you listen to it, like on, say, Spotify or something, mm-hmm. is it her? Yep. She's a really good She's singer. She's really good. Like, I mean, yeah, she's really good. Yeah. Um, it did win the Bibi Fer- Ferreira Award in Brazil for Best Musical, as well as the a lot of broadwaymusical.com awards like a shit ton this this show just anytime it goes up for an award it's like i'll take that it's like i'll take that it's like i'll a, take that i bring Thank a basket you. to carry all my awards home mm-hmm. yeah it like seriously universal what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> don't make this mistake again just with cat just uh, uh. I'm so mad. I'm so mad at what we could have had. And I remember that, too, being announced. And I was like, oh, cool. And then, like, it went away for a minute because I forgot because they didn't say anything about it. And then they're like, oh, Cats in 2019. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So is it, is it still in the works? It's still in the works. Okay. It's just pushed to December 22nd, 2021, unless what I said happens. Gotcha. In which case, we riot and cry in which case we release the kraken and level this fucking planet (laughs) (laughs) or we end up having a series of episodes just like with the cats movie where we cover the trailers and go what the fuck is this nightmare Mm. why that is also a possibility (laughs) (laughs) like for the good of for the good of the podcast (laughs) i would say that a Starlight Express movie would get us a lot of uh, because fuck that show. My but liver, on the other hand, my liver can't take another cats movie. <laughs> I will say though that if the Starlight Express movie does become a thing, we have to move to Colorado <laughs> to fully enjoy it. Mm. Or at least minimize it. <laughs> minimize its negative impact upon our psyches. Oh, God. Man. Anyway. Anyway, back to Wicked. Are you ready to watch Wicked? I am very ready to watch Wicked. This is one of those shows that um, I, you know, before we started doing our show, like, I, you know, before we started doing our show, I never really looked forward or had a desire to see a lot of shows because, mm-hmm. you know, musically challenged and all that. But since we've been doing stuff, I've been waiting to get to Wicked because mm-hmm. I've heard that it's really good and I know yeah you know a lot of just the the love surrounding it and it is funny you talking about how this because we're, we're March is coming off the heels of Black History Month and and since in this year we're going to be revisiting stuff that I have seen yeah you know but with my more my less unsophisticated filter uh and so it is kind of funny how this the month of March has been unintentional Wizard of Oz month but yeah Hey. Save for Les Mis once, but... Yes, that was true. When reviewing uh, 
a high school production. But yeah. but yeah. Um so yeah, I am I am uh, ready and excited to go watch Wicked. Yay! I'm so excited cuz it's been a while since I've seen it and I like this show. So, yeah. Let's take a brief intermission, uh let Latte out and go see Wicked. Yay! Hey, Warren. Hey, Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our favorite people in the whole world? Heck yeah! Today, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci, Reagan, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Boston Harbor Horror is about a Coast Guard member who discovers an ancient artifact during a rescue on one of the many islands located deep in Boston Harbor. His subsequent research into that artifact leads him down a dark path that will test his sanity, his relationships, the very reality in which he resides. Boston Harbor Horror is an Asylum 94 production. You can find our show wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Boston HBR Horror and Asylum 94 PROD. Like us on Facebook at Boston Harbor Horror and Asylum 94. Follow us on Instagram at Boston Harbor Horror and Asylum 94. And now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. So, Warren, who can say if you've been changed for the better, but because you saw this... Because you saw this, have you been changed for good? Nobody warns the more mourns the Warren. That's what I was trying to say. Warns the Morin. See, you set it up, and then I fucked it up. Okay, because I went a little off key because my throat went really, <laughs> really. Kay, you've been coughing for like a week straight. You think you can sing? But I will say, wait, there are dragons in Oz. Because there are dragons in Oz. There are dragons in Oz. Yes. How come we have never seen dragons in any of the Oz shit? Th- this, this is a huge failing on every single. <laughs> representation of Oz. If I had known that there were dragons in Oz, I probably would have been way more interested in Oz growing up. Yeah, and the the dragon that is up there is the time dragon. <laughs> Which so is it is it a real dragon or is it just a machine? Cuz I mean, of course in the show, it's just a giant puppet. Yeah. But it's hanging on top of a giant clock. Yeah. All right, so basically the dragon that's up there is the clock of the time dragon and it was supposed to be a uh device that could tell people a like the secrets in uh their life and that's that itself is a invention for the wicked books um that that one's not an actual dragon that one is a clock but there are dragons in Oz. <laughs> like, they're they're just not like many, but like let's are, are see, they there's... like are they like beasts or can they talk? 
I believe they can talk. Because it seems like everything in this universe can talk. Yeah, um, and I want to say that they're, like, later in the Oz books, like TikTok of Oz and stuff, that you get dragons, but... Yeah, there are dragons in Oz, they're just not really, you know... I want more dragons in my Broadway shows. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the time... The clock of the time dragon is just for Wicked. And gotcha. Those books... Well, yeah, like in my note, it says, wait, there are dragons in Oz? Why have I never seen this before? I am way more excited in Oz now. Oh, wait, the dragon is gone. Never mind, everyone. It was a tease. Wicked teased me with a D. <laughs> I got dragon teased. <laughs> Thanks, Wicked. <laughs> Anyways. <coughs> a group of Victorian-esque people come out from a giant... I didn't spell clock right. <laughs> Holy shit, no! Oh god. Oh god, did you forget the L? I think so. so oh my god. So, so <laughs> a group of Victorian-esque people come out from a giant clock and say good news and dance around while waving their ribbon wands. And they get very excited about Glenda showing up to announce that the Wicked Witch of the West is dead. Murdered by a child who threw a bucket of water on her. Oh my god. Unfortunately for her, the Wicked Witch of the West, no one mourns the Wicked. <laughs> Be an entirely different musical if a bunch of people came out of a giant cock. But it'd be like a rooster, right? The mechanical rooster. <laughs> if the Greeks had used a rooster, would it have been the, the Trojan cock or something like that? Oh my god. There's, a, there's an alternate universe out there that is way better than this one. Oh Glenda lands and everyone bows and scrapes before her while singing about the mean green being liquefied. <laughs> a child, I think, inquires to Glenda, why is there wickedness? Glenda is like, "'Tis a question as old as time. Why are people wicked? Are they born wicked? Do they become wicked? After all, Elphaba had a mother and a father, and, you know, this is a musical, so we won't just tell it, we'll show it and sing it!" <laughs> we see Elphaba's mother wipe a kiss off her cheek from her husband as he leaves the house. I'm sure they have a very happy and stable marriage. And she immediately hops in the sack with a dapper gent who has a green elixir. Bitches love green elixirs, I guess? That's so much more tame than what happens in the book. <laughs> Anyways, nine or so months pass and Elphaba's mother is about to give birth to her. And lo and behold, she's green! Which goes to show that drinking strange elixirs while pregnant can have dire consequences on the developing fetus. Yes? You're not supposed to touch your face right now, Kay. I know, but I had to. You now have corona. I know. So, it's the Aussian form of thalidomide poisoning. Well, I guess that's more what happens to uh, her sister, spoilers, but... Which in the book, it's not her legs for her sister. What is it? It's her arms. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
I feel like the legs works better given the, yeah. the magic shoes. Yeah. But anyway, the scene cuts back to Glenda and her horde of adoring fans as they continue to sing about how no one mourns the wicked, even though this show is going to make us feel bad for Alphaba by the end of it. Glenda begins to ascend off stage when one of her thralls inquires, Is it true you were friends with the wicked one? Glenda spills the rumor beans and admits that <laughs> they were friends a long time ago at their shiz school. <laughs> Even back then, Glenda was a popular valley girl and Elphaba was still green. Elphaba is being, <laughs> is being gawked at and is like, let's get this out of the way. No, I'm not seasick. Yes, I've always been green. No, I didn't eat grass as a child. And yes, you can all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I made that last one up, but she was probably still thinking it. Elphaba is yelled at by her father, and I use that in air quotes, her father, who tells her to be quiet and stop making a scene, and that she's only here to look after her sister Nessa Rose, who is a perfectly normal color, but in a wheelchair. So, there's that. The head shizstress of the shiz school tries to take Nessa Rose up to her private dorm suite, because, like, she's the She's she's the going to inherit the governorship, so mm -hmm. she's more important than the other one, and so she gets special privileges because of yeah. her her pedigree and whatnot. But Elphaba is like, I promised our dick father that I'd watch after her, and Shizstris tells her that there are not extra rooms, and mistakenly thinks that Glenda volunteers to room with Elphaba. Nessa Rose is wheeled away to her special room, and Elphaba casts an accidental spell out of anger and everyone freaks out except for the head shizstress who is like you have magic powers i will teach you and you will be great and by association i will be great shizstress is that what she calls herself the head i think shizstress? so yeah. yeah and i just the the things that they say in this yeah there's a lot of uh wackiness to be had because it's oz it's, it's oz. fucking oz like, this show, Seussical, they're all wild. <laughs> this one just has more death. Yep, fair. <laughs> Glenda, being the spoiled brat she is, faints from not getting her way. And Elphaba has her self-empowerment song, being all super hyped that she has a talent that someone values, and that she sees it as her chance to be successful and meet the wizard, who will de-green her once she gives her... Once she gives... Once he gives her an honored position. And one day, everyone in Oz will celebrate her, and she'll be so happy she could melt. <laughs> nice, the look you just gave me. Nice touch and foreshadowing there. Yep. Glenda and Elphaba sing while writing letters to their fathers, saying that there has been a mix-up with the rooms at the Shiz School, and they'll deal with it the best they can, because they're so classy, even though they really fucking hate each other. And, and then they proceed to sing the Loathing Song, and it sucks, because <laughs> everyone dislikes Elphaba just for being green, and loves Glenda for being hot. It's not easy being green. <laughs> Glenda is just everything i hate she's a shallow vain vapid entitled self-important and Elphaba is like i have a dream i have a dream to be loved and to be liked for just being me and it seems that Elphaba versus glenda and her entire horde of adoring sheeple thralls <laughs> first <laughs> there's so much more meaning to stuff was like it that. too soon for me to do that no like <laughs> Because I was writing these before I realized that there were, like, 
anthropomorphized, sentient, walking, talking animal people in this world. Mm-hmm. First day of class, and with Mr. with Doctor Dil was it Dillamond? Yep, Dillamond. With Doctor Dillamond, who is a goat man, an old token goat man, a diver- a diversity hire, it would seem. Glenda <laughs> is huffy about why Doctor <laughs> Dillamond can't pronounce her name because <laughs> he doesn't. He tries to be like Glenda. Uh, no, it was, for... it was more like a. <laughs> yeah. Linda. Yep. And she's hussy. Instead hussy. of Galinda. Galinda. He tries to give a history lesson about how Oz used to be a more diverse and colorful place, but there was a drought that caused a famine, and everyone decided to blame the animals, hence, scapegoat. Galinda is like, why can't you teach us history without harping on the past? People with brains facepalm, and Professor Scapegoat flips the chalkboard, which is supposed to have some questions he's prepared, but instead has written in big red letters, animals should be seen, not heard. He gets understandably upset and angrily asks who wrote this. When no one comes forth, he dismisses the class and chases his students out of his classroom. Elphaba stays behind to talk to the professor and share her lunch with him. And he recounts uh, and he recounts us with how animals and those who are being sorry. And he recounts us with how animals and those who are different are facing an increasingly hard time here in Oz. Animals are encouraged to keep quiet, and some have even forgotten how to speak and are becoming just beasts. The head shizstress comes in to be like Alphaba, you're late for my seminar, and because of how Professor Dillagoat is behaving, it's obvious I'm one of the corrupt people in this story. So the shizstress comes in to be like, oh, I heard that there was some hubbub in your class, and and you immediately see the professor's demeanor change, and he mm-hmm. becomes, like, deflective. He's not really paying attention. He's, he's very, like, what's the the word I'm looking for? He's very defensive yeah kind of thing. he's like you can very much tell that he is intimidated and afraid of this woman yeah so you're immediately like oh she's one of the people who doesn't like animals being on campus one of my favorite touches though is when uh alphabet sh- sharing her lunch and he yes paper. she like comes over unfolds her lunch and she has like a sandwich and he just grabs the paper and starts eating the paper mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty good the driver of a preppy rich boy almost runs over Alphaba, and she gives him a piece of her mind. But he doesn't care, because he's the male Glenda. His name is Fierro? Fierro? Yes, Fierro. Fierro. A winky prince. And I feel like knocking him in his one-eyed wonder weasel. <laughs> Glenda, Glenda pretty much throws her southern region at Fierro, who is like... I missed my class, but whatever. I'm just here for the party life. And proceeds to sing about how he doesn't give a shit because he's dancing his way through life. I and- want your winky in my bubble. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, where shit, where am I? Uh, uh, I'm here for the party life and proceeds to sing about how he doesn't give a shit because he's dancing his way through life and has no concerns because he's the crotch spawn of royalty (laughs) and is already set for life. I may have taken some liberties with the lyrics, but that's the subtext in my opinion. But yeah, 
fuck Fierro. <laughs> Granted, he gets better later, but right now, at this point in time, fuck both Fierro and Glenda. Yeah. Glenda manipulates Bach, who has been hanging around begging for her attention, but obviously not getting the hint that she doesn't like him. Anyway, Glenda manipulates Bach into inviting Nessa Rose to Fierro's fancy rich shindig, and Nessa Rose thinks that Bach actually likes her, instead of trying to get in Glenda's good graces. Alphaba is about to get mad, but Nessa is like, Don't you dare! I love Glenda! She's wonderful! And told Bach to ask me out! Glenda is the best! Glenda for life! <laughs> Alphaba is like, Okay, okay, I'll keep silent and let the plot play out. Eventually, you'll realize Glenda sucks. Mm-hmm. While getting ready for the party, Glenda is getting dressed and finds this ugly hat that her grandma gave her. She'd give it away if she could, but she doesn't hate anyone enough to give it to them. And it doesn't hate anyone enough to do that. And her bitchy friends are like, yes you do! Giggle, giggle, giggle! God, I hate them. And Glenda gives the pointy black hat to Elphaba, saying that it compliments her. Elphaba thinks that Glenda is being nice and doesn't see the hidden insult. Elphaba tries to return the favor by telling the head shizstress to give Glenda a wand and to include her in the sorcery classes, or she'll quit. The head shizstress is like, I don't know why, because I don't think you have what it takes to be a sorceress. <laughs> Glenda finally got what she wanted and feels bad for being such a bitch, especially when Elphaba shows up in the hat gifted to her by Glenda, and everyone is like, boy, she's ugly and she can't dance. Glenda feels bad because it's her fault, and she tries to dance with Elphaba so that people don't make fun of her or something. Yeah. The two of them dance awkwardly, and then Glenda pulls Elphaba off the dance floor and out of the scene. We then see Elphaba and Glenda in their room being newly minted besties and sharing secrets. Glenda tells Elphaba that her secret is her and Fierro are going to get married, even though he hasn't said anything about it and she's just willing it into existence. Elphaba reveals the reason why her father hates her, because she thinks it's her fault that her sister is in a wheelchair and that her mother is dead, since to prevent her little sister from coming out green, her father made their mother chew milk flour day and night to, I guess make Nessa Rose white? I, okay? Basically, like, because her, her mother's not going to say, I cheated on you. I cheated on, on you. you and drank a mysterious elixir with some mm -hmm. guy and that's why it's green. But I just don't get, like, the milk flower. Like, what is it, the chewing the milk flower? Oz logic and yeah, also, Oz... like, begets like. And... and Yeah, I have it in here, the... I have it in here, the, uh, to make, uh, what will it do, make Nessa Rose white? Is this the pretzel logic? Anyways, the milk flower made Nessa Rose be born prematurely, and her legs were a tangled mess as a result. And the mother never woke up, so, good job, shitty father-husband, you'd rather have a crippled daughter and a dead wife than two healthy green daughters. And, uh, yeah, relying on the goop of Oz. Oh god, yep. Yeah, yep. Chew this poisonous flower and it'll flush out the negative toxins in your body and to you'll have a healthy baby. undo the jade egg that you stuck up there. Then light <laughs> this vagina candle. Anyways, Glenda is actually cool and tries to reassure Alphaba that it's not her fault. 
and now that they're besties, she's going to give Elfie, that's what they call her now, a makeover and make her popular. Cause that's all there is to life. I wouldn't know. I've never been popular. Hashtag loner life. <laughs> Same. Elfie's song ends, and the head shizdress finds Elfie to say that the wizard wants to see her. Elfie is super happy and hugs the shizdress, who apparently has the specialty of weather power. Neat! I like Storm from the X-Men better, because she's not a bitch. And that's totally not going to play into anything later. Well, it's like, because she, she comes in and she's like, oh, I felt just terrible about what happened with... Dr. Dillamond and and yeah. and the uh, kind of thing, but oh, well, something she makes basically makes that whole thing of like whenever a door closes, a window opens, yeah. or something like that, and she's like, something bad happened, but something good happened. Whenever someone says shit like that, I kind of side eye it, like, <laughs> what you trying to sell? Well, you know, like when you're when someone that you admire is hauled away by the authorities to be sent to prison just for existing, something good is bound to happen. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Anyways, Elfie is by, is uh, bidding her friends and her sister goodbye, and Bach. So they're at the train station, like some type of train station or something like that. They're they're at a place, and Elfie is telling people goodbye because she's going to the Emerald City to see the wizard, and so she's leaving the Shiz School. And so Elfie is bidding her friends and sister goodbye, and Bach freaks out, saying he can't keep doing this because. Yeah, I imagine it would be hard to pretend to like someone who you have... <laughs> pretend to like someone when you have a boner for a shallow blonde bimbo. <laughs> Nessa Rose wheels off upset, telling Elfie not to worry about her. And Glenda and Elfie both inquire where Fierro is. Glenda reveals that she's worried about Fierro because he's distant and moody and he's been thinking. She's really <laughs> worried about how much thinking he's been doing. Fierro shows up to give a flower to Elfie and wish her the best of luck in her new adventure. The two exchange some sparks and referencing the day with the lion cub. And even though Glenda tries to make it all about her, <laughs> Fierro bids Elfie a final goodbye and good luck and leaves. Glenda is upset and Elfie tells her to come with her to the Emerald City to see the wizard, to which she agrees. And I kind of wonder how she was able to swing that. It's like, I have an invitation to see the wizard, yeah. but you don't, but I'm going to bring you with anyway, and I'm sure it'll work out. Yeah, I... I, I don't know. I don't understand Oz law or Oz politics necessarily. I mean... I mean, the guy who just fell from the sky in a hot air balloon became emperor. Yeah, so... I don't know. I think you can get away with just about anything there. Might makes right in Oz. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of with the law of the land everywhere, it seems. Uh, anyway, the magical besties go to the Osmopolitans. The, Oz the magical besties <laughs> go on to be Osmopolitans in the Emerald City. And I see a fucking horrific thing. These oh. fat, armless, bald creature things with human faces that have stretchy snake necks. What the fuck were those, Kay? Yes. They came, they horrified me, and just as quickly as I shit myself, they left. I need to kill the brain cells that house these. Those are in the book. Those are in the book. Those are called hammerheads. What? Yeah, they're hammerheads. So they're like these little dudes that didn't have arms and they have like these flat heads. And if I remember right, let me see, let me see, let me see. I think, I think they're the ones that have to carry their brains in jars, but... <laughs> 
I mean, like, they, they were horrifying looking. Like, they had, like, this massive beach ball body. Yeah. And just legs protruding from it. They wore overalls. And then they had these big heads. And they had that weird kind of hair where, like, you're bald on top, but you have, like, big poofy hair on the sides. Yes. And then when they their necks stretched out... Uh, my eyes went to hell. Yeah, it, yeah. Your eyes do kind of go to hell looking at them. But... I'm like, so wait, 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 wait. Oz is concerned about animals, but these fucking <laughs> things are okay? <laughs> well, I mean, they're humanoids, so... So are the animals. Well, they're, in, they're upright and walking and in talking. In the book, in the Wicked book, they are animal animals. Just talking like, animals? Just though? talking animals, because that's, that's an Oz thing. That's better than these armless monstrosities. Yeah, I mean, if, there you go. There you go. There's the hammerheads. I don't like them. Yeah. Look at that picture. I, I don't... Oh, geez. And so they... They headbutt their foes. Yes. They extend their neck and skull bash. And it's a picture of them skull bashing <laughs> the scarecrow. And they are quite unfriendly and hostile and violent. But they have these painted on smiles. They're yes. just They're so happy to meet you so they can wreck your shit. And there's, there's the picture of them from uh, Wicked. so yeah. fucked up. Yeah, and that's, that's God, the they're creepy. That's in the book. I don't like them. Can we round them up and put them in jail instead of the animals? I mean, they're more aggressive. Oh, are they like the wizard shock troops? Is that what they're used for? <laughs> no. They just... they're, they're actually in Quadling Country, so they're after they leave Oz. Or after they leave the Emerald City. After they leave the wizard of Oz. Then they go down to Quadling Country to go talk to Glinda and they run into them. I still need to kill the brain cells that house the memory of those things. Okay. Elfie and Glinda go before the wizard, and he's a sentimental man who wants to help people. And by help people, he means manipulate them and use Elfie as a tool to enforce his authoritarian will. Shitstress, wait, wait, Shitstress, Shizstress <laughs> shows up. That's her new name now, Shitstress. Shitstress shows up and is now the press secretary for the wizard. They present Elfie with a book of spells that is written in a dead language. But Elfie, being the badass motherfucker that she is, <laughs> is able to read it and magically gives the monkeys flying wings. Wait, monkeys gives the monkeys wings and turns them into flying monkeys. That's how that should have been said. The wizard reveals that they're going to use the monkeys as spies to report on any subversive animal behavior in the land of Oz. Elfie calls the wizard on his shit, saying, You need me because you have no real power yourself. The wizard is like, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But where I come from, the best way to unite people is with a common enemy. In this case, talking animals, I guess. Which... I hate this world, because if I could be friends with animals that could talk, that would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Like, like I, that's like every little kid's dream, isn't it? Wishing mm -hmm. you could talk to animals, and mm -hmm. then some of us never grow up inside, and we carry that with us into our adulthood, and they're like, look at our dogs and cats and go, I wish I could talk to you. And some of us get parrots. And get parrots who have- And then go, oh god, oh god, you're a very intelligent being, <coughs> you understand what you're saying. Oh no, I have a three-year-old forever. <coughs> oh God, no! And they have knives for faces. Yep. And they and they lure you in by pretending that they give kisses and they bite you on the lips. I will apologize right now posthumously for Gemma. 
Gemma was a sweetie, except for she that was time. She a sweetie, except for that one time. Except for that time she bit me in the face and made me bleed. <laughs> She's like, yes, come over here, Warren. I gave everybody else a kiss. I'll give you a kiss, too. I mean, she kind of forgave you when we went out of town, but that was only because... It's because I was keeping her alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fickle bitch. <laughs> Little old lady. Oh, she's a sweet bird, though. Little grumpy lady. Okay, tangent aside. <laughs> Anyways, Elfie runs off with the book and Glenda follows. All while the wizard and shitstress rage and wail that they must be stopped if they won't conform to their evil plot. Elfie and Glenda are on the street when over the Ozacom, the shitstress is like... Oz! There is a new worse enemy in Oz. She is not to be trusted. Her green skin is horrible and awful and a manifestation of how evil and awful she is. Glenda is like, It's okay, Elfie. Just apologize to the wizard. There's nothing to be afraid of. Elfie is like, Damn right. They should be afraid of me. I'm gonna burn this bitch to the ground. <laughs> and she proceeds to start a revolution. The guards are closing in on Elfie and Glenda, and Elfie casts a spell and summons a magical flying broom. Elfie tries to encourage Glenda to come with her, but she's like, I can't. I'm pretty and popular, and I want to stay. As the guards close in, Elfie mounts her broom, giggity, and is like, it's me you want. Leave Glenda alone. And... There's some plot things in this that I don't like. Yeah. But... Yeah. But... Yeah. Elfie sings her badass song about defying gravity, and the scene ends. And I think it's the intermission at that yes. point. That song, Gravity, was probably defying one of... Defying Gravity. Defying Gravity. Was one of the better... Like, not... I shouldn't say better. That makes it sound like all the songs in this are bad. Because the sound... The score in this is really good. But Schwartz, that, motherfuckers. Yeah, Schwartz. <laughs> but that is one of the songs that... I say stands out the most, because mm -hmm. it's kind of coming off the heels of this big revelation, you know... That yeah. the wizard is a phony and that he's this authoritarian dictator who wants to lock up citizens of Oz and he's using Elphaba as a as a tool because she actually has magic powers mm -hmm. and stuff like that in Elphaba. It's 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 def I would almost it's kind of a transformation moment for her. Yes. Because it's where she goes from being someone who's been timid more timid and beaten down to being like for the first time she knows what she wants to do she's like i have a mission yeah. i am going to free these animals i'm going mm -hmm. to i'm gonna take down this government i'm gonna take yeah exactly i'm gonna take down this this authoritarian regime now there's a reason that the song is so insanely popular like i yeah yeah it's good it's, it's a good song in better singing days i could try to belt that out and it wouldn't sound great but i would try it's okay but you can sip your tea for your sore throat oh god this is just stupid part two opens up with the citizens of oz crying out for someone to save them from the wicked witch glenda is like let's not focus on elfie we should be celebrating fiero has been promoted to captain of the guard and he's going to marry me to which fiero is like say what <laughs> Glenda has duped him into being in an engagement party that Fiero was not even aware they were at. Fier uh, surprise, Fiero, you're engaged to Glenda, even though it's obvious you love Elfie, because you became captain of the guard to keep looking for her. I'm sure that won't lead to a conflict between you and Glenda later. 
Speaking of which, Fierro gets upset at all of the mean stuff people are saying about Elfie. That she has a third eye. That she sheds her skin like a snake. That she's so filthy and evil that pure water will melt her. Glenda tries to calm Fierro down, saying that she doesn't like what people are saying about Elfie either. But Fierro calls her on her shit. Glenda tries to play it off for the public, like, Yeah, yeah, you go get me a drink, sweetie. I'll keep talking to the masses and reassuring them just how happy I am to be dubbed Glenda the Good. <laughs> Glenda, uh, she's... She's an interesting character. She is an interesting character, and I really, really, really don't like her through about 95% of this. Mm -hmm. She is funny, and yeah. she is probably the biggest comic relief in the show. Yes. And most of her comic relief moments come from being kind of ditzy and self-centered. Mm -hmm. So, like, in some of these serious moments, she'll, like, make it about her, you know? Yeah. And just, and it, she does have her moments, but really just, just, I don't... Really, she's like this micro, this, uh microcosm of everything that we hated in high school. Ding, 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 ding. Tell her what they won, Johnny. Uh, I didn't think this far ahead. Um, you, you get a kiss. Yay! Mm -hmm. The scene now changes to Nessa Rose, who appears to be the governess of Munchkinland, and Bach is her faithful slash reluctant servant. Elfie scares Nessa by coming out of her wardrobe and uh she says she needs <laughs> coming out of the closet i was gonna put that joke in there but then i was like well doesn't really necessarily work but uh so like she's she, like, coming out of the closet as a wicked witch of the west yes there you go um so she comes out of the wardrobe and she scares nessa she says that she needs their father's help, but their father died of shame after what Elfie did. Elfie is like, good, our father was an ass. Now it's just <laughs> you and I, and you can help me, Nessa. Nessa Rose is like, no, I don't want to help you. You've been flying around helping strange animals, and you've never once tried to help me. Elfie is like, there is not a spell for every... Holy shit, you have shoes. I have a spell for shoes. <laughs> Elfie then enchants Nessa's silver shoes and turns them uh, and uses magic to turn them ruby red. And Nessa now can walk. Nessa thinks that now that she can finally walk, Bach will finally love her. She calls him in and Bach sees Elfie and pulls a knife. Stay back or I'll cut you. You're a bad person. Same as your sister. Nessa Rose is like, Bach, please, I'm not evil. Bach reveals that ever since Nessa Rose became governess, she has been stripping the rights of the munchkins, and Bach has not been able to leave, because Nessa wants to keep him there. Yeah. Nessa shows Bach that, uh, thing... Nessa tells Bach that now things can be different, because now she can walk. Bach is like, this is wonderful. Now that you can walk, you won't need me anymore, and you won't mind if I leave. Glenda's getting married, and I have to go tell her how I feel and beg her to love me and not fairy... Fario? Fiero! Because Glenda seized my heart from the moment that I saw her, and I can't love anyone else but her. To which Nessa Rose seethes with rage and is like, If I can't have your heart, no one will! And she grabs the book from Elfie and reads a random spell, just a random spell picked... Yeah. Just, 
pick one out of the fucking book. Didn't think this through at all. And she reads a random spell from Elfie's book, and Bach cries in pain as his heart is shrinking in his chest. Nessa begs Elfie to help, because she immediately has spell remorse. Mm-hmm. And Nessa uh, begs Elfie to help, and Elfie is like... Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Nessa begs Elfie to help, but she tells her that spells can't be reversed once they've been cast. Mm-hmm. Nessa gets upset Elfie isn't helping, and Elfie is like, I've done everything I can to help you, and it's never enough, and she storms out. Nessa Rose is upset, but she suddenly hears Bach coming back to life. She looks in the mirror, making sure that she's all pretty, and what, and making sure she's all pretty and whatnot. But Bach steps out with clankety-clank of his steps, and it turns out he's been turned into tin. Mm-hmm. Bach freaks out and runs off, and Nessa Rose throws Elfie under the metaphorical bus, screaming after Bach, shrieking that it was Elfie's fault. She cast the spell. She did it. She did it. She did it. Throws her under it. the house. Throws her under the house. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. But yeah, so like... Elphaba shows up to be like, I need your help, sister. And she's like, no, go to hell. You haven't done anything for me. And she's like, oh, I've, there's nothing I can do for you. Oh, wait, I can enchant your shoes. That'll mm-hmm. help. And that, that part made me laugh, though. She's like, there's not a spell for every situation. Oh, that's right. You have shoes. I forget that people wear shoes and I can enchant shoes. Yeah, and I think in the book it's Glinda that enchants Nessa Rose's shoes, but I'm not sure. Again, I'm going off of plot summaries and stuff because i haven't read the book because i is too fragile it's raining outside oh i was wondering i was like is that your what's what's making that crackling noise march came in like a lion and is going out like a lion that's complete with earthquakes it's a little bit of whimpering <laughs> we didn't have another one did we we had another aftershock oh, yeah okay well it's not an earthquake it's an aftershock that's why they're called <laughs> different things still though <laughs> Elfie goes back to the Emerald City to free the monkeys she magically gave wings to, and is confronted by the wizard, who is like, I knew you'd be back. Elfie is like, I'm not here for you, I'm here for the monkeys. (laughs) The wizard is like, aren't you tired of being the responsible one and caring for others? You could have all the power here and rule over Oz. It's wonderful to have power. Power and control. Unlimited power! (laughs) It's kind of a Star Wars reference. Yeah. Except I turned my phone sideways and now I lost my notes. (laughs) Well, what did we learn? Lou, 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 I lost some notes. Lou, 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 hold on you. Lou, Lou, Lou. (laughs) Get back to my notes and Lou, Lou, Lou. The wizard is almost able to convince Elfie to join him, but her condition but her uh, condition for joining him was that he had to free the monkeys. The wizard agrees and goes to release them, but out pops Professor Scapegoat, who has been held captive in order to keep him from speaking out about animal rights. As a result of his imprisonment, he's reverted to almost entirely an animal mindset. He can't he can talk he can't talk. He can only bleat. Mm-hmm. Elfie is enraged and prepares to strike at the wizard, who dashes behind his mechanical head and calls for his guards. Three guards enter the wizard's chamber, and to Elfie's surprise, one of them is... <gasps> Fiero, brandishing a rifle. I do have to say, I don't know what's worse for Dr. Dillamund if 
his fate in the book is worse or his fate in the play is worth worse because both are pretty bad. I assume that in the book he's just killed. Yeah, he's murdered uh, while he's working on a way to reverse this with Alphaba, and then he gets murdered and I would Alphaba say continues his work after. I would he say dies. imprisonment and having your mind shattered is probably worse than yeah, just death. Yeah, yeah. They're both they're both horrible. They're both but... horrible. It's they're both horrible. I guess at least they didn't like go. Oh, here's dinner. It's <laughs> here's some goat. <laughs> Alphaba, it's so good to see you. Can I interest you in this goat curry? <laughs> oh, Doctor Dillamon. <laughs> oh my God! If we ever get a goat, that's what his name's gonna be. <laughs> Continue. Fiaro tells the other two guards to go get water, as much as they can carry, and the other two guards follow orders and leave the scene. Fiero then goes behind the mechanical head and pulls the wizard out from behind, telling him to be silent or he'll reveal what a fraud he is. <laughs> Glenda the Good comes into the chamber as well and is like, Please, Mr. Wizard, don't be mad at Fiero. But Fiero is like, No, I'm going with Elfie. I love her. Glenda is super sad as Fiero and Elfie rush off to the stage. And it was funny because she had this thing of like, you've been doing this behind my back. And Elfie's like, no, no, we haven't. And then he's like, well, little. <laughs> and, which I was like, you're you moron. Because I was like, they, yeah. they didn't. They didn't yeah, do Yeah, they didn't do nothing. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think, didn't, wait, he kissed her and then she kissed him back. Mm -hmm. And that happened once. Yeah. And then they were apart for a really long time. Yeah. And then, yeah, so it's like... Yeah, so it's one of those things of like, it's not like they were doing stuff behind Glenda's back. Yeah. At the same time, Glenda's, well, anyway, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm devoting too much mental energy to the love triangle in this show. The love triangle's weird, like worse in the <laughs> book too. And it's not with Glenda, it's with some princess. But yeah, fun things. After Fiero and Elfie leave the scene, the shitstress comes out all excited <laughs> thinking that they finally caught Elfie. The wizard is like, nope, Fiero left with her, they're both gone. The shittress and the wizard are like, how do we get back at her? Glenda tells them to use her sister. If Elfie thinks her sister is in danger, she'll fly to her aid. The shittress and the wizard think that's a great idea, but the shittress is like, maybe we need a change of scenery, and uses her weather powers to cause a tornado. Perhaps the tornado that brings a certain little girl from Kansas to Oz. Just speculating. Just speculating. speculating. Randomly. Anyways, Elfie and Fiero are like, about to bone down, it seems. They're having a romantic moment and getting ready to smoochy face while singing about how they're going to be together, at least for this moment. The song ends and Elfie says, for the first time in my life, I feel wicked. And she grabs <laughs> Fierro's face and smooches the fuck out of it. <laughs> Gonna smooch your fucking face. <laughs> After the smoochy time ends, Elfie feels a disturbance in the force, and she knows that her sister is in danger. She sees a house flying through the sky and is like, that ain't right, and tells Fierro she's going to help her sister. Fierro is like, my family has a castle that no one goes to. You can live there. It's full of secret passages. You'll be safe. The only people who stay there are the guards that protect it. It actually was a kind of a funny line because he's saying, my family has this castle and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, 
and no one goes there. Only people who are there are the guards and secret passages, and you'll be safe. And she goes, well, where does your family live? The other castle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought just, that, that made me laugh. But Elfie goes to Nessa, but we see Glinda the Good as she has just bid Dorothy to stay on the yellow brick road, then laments about how bad she is at giving directions. Elfie yells at Glinda, saying that she wanted something to remember her sister by, and all that was left was her shoes, but that little foreign farm girl has them. Elfie and Glinda have a spat about a, about uh, man-stealing, and the two have a brief brawl, but not too long until the wizard's guards spring their trap and capture Elfie. Fierro swings in to save the day, saying to release Elfie, or they'll have to explain to the wizard how they stood by while Glinda the Good was killed, and then he points his rifle at Glinda's face. Glinda gets the guards to release Elfie, and Fierro hands her the flying broom and tells her to go. Elfie does, and the guards then dogpile on Fierro, preparing to skewer him with their spears, but are stopped by Glenda. Instead, the guards decide to hang Fierro up in the field until he tells them where the witch has gone, all while Glenda shrieks in protest. And then that's when we... It, it is interesting in this show to see, you know, at least in this imagining, how the Tin Man is created, yeah. how... The scarecrow is created, and the cowardly lion. The cowardly lion is created and stuff, and and it, it really, if you were to like, you, when you plop Dorothy down in this situation, yeah. and have her go on her normal journey, it's a really fucked up situation for this little girl. Like, <laughs> like way beyond the normal amounts of fucked up it is for Dorothy in this situation. It is like. You're plopping this five-year-old down in the middle of some Game of Thrones revolution <laughs> bullshit, you know, full of angry mobs. <laughs> and she's just like, I just want to go home. I was just in my house. Mm -hmm. um, what's great, though, is some of the foreshadowing that they do in the show. Like, right at the start when we first see Fierro, he's very vapid and stuff. He's and, the male Glenda. Yeah, and saying like, oh, life is painless when you're brainless and it's like... Yeah. I, you Schwartz. Know, it was funny, it was one of those things because I didn't realize that he was going to become the Scarecrow until they put him up in the field and then I was like, oh, so he becomes Scarecrow. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The scene changes to Elfie who is like, Fuck you all. Everyone calls me wicked. If you think I'm wicked, then I'm going to be fucking wicked as I can wickedest wicked be. And that's after she cast the spell that basically turns Fierro into the Scarecrow. She did that? Yes, because she's saying like, oh, may your bones never break. May your... When does she do that? Um, It's right after... It's right at that scene change where she's hovering over her book and she's trying to do spells and she's like, these aren't even working. I don't know what I'm saying. And so th this is after she after she leaves, after Fierro rescues her and yes. says, you've got to go. Yes, okay. and that's what kind of leads to her sanity slippage where she goes, fine, fuck it, I'm wicked. Okay, and I fucked up my note. So she's So in that scene... When she's reading her book, she's first casting a spell to, like, protect Fierro. Yeah. And that's what turns him into the Scarecrow. Mm hmm Okay, I missed that part. But then she's like, fuck you all. Fuck it all. Everyone calls me wicked. If you think I'm wicked, then I'm gonna fucking be the wickedest wicked witch who ever was wicked. That's how the note should have been read initially. <laughs> 
Fuck it all, fuck it all. Mm. I, I give, give the shit just no a bit. <laughs> we then see a scene with an angry mob that has assembled, crying to kill the wicked witch. Tin Man is the ringleader of this angry mob, and he has and he has the grown-up lion cub from earlier that was in the cage at the shiz school who is all grown up to be the cowardly lion and i guess he wants revenge for not being for he wants revenge for being rescued and not being allowed to fight his own battles and that's why he's cowardly that part was kind of dumb yeah so that just it was yeah <laughs> meanwhile Elfie is yelling at Dorothy in the dungeon, telling her to take off those shoes if she ever wants to see her aunt and uncle again. Glenda then comes down, demanding that Elfie release the girl and her dog. Elfie is like, no, I will never stop, right up until she's handed a note from one of the flying monkeys, and the note says that she's seen Fierro for the last time. Elfie then pretty much loses her will to live and bequeaths the Book of Spells to Glenda, and the two have their parting farewell song. But I will say, like, when the, sh the scene goes to uh, Elphaba yelling down into, like, the dungeon at Dorothy about <laughs> the shoe, you know, who wears a dead woman's shoe, steals a dead woman's shoes? <laughs> Were you raised in a barn? <laughs> raised in a barn? It's like there's little bits of just funny dialogue at least that girl and her little dog dodo <laughs> toto <laughs> elfie hides glinda while she does battle with the angry mob who have broken into the castle we see the shadows of combat and dorothy throwing water on elfie she melts and dies and one of the monkeys hands glinda elfie's green bottle did i talk did we talk about the green bottle earlier i don't remember I don't know if we... I don't she, think we did. I don't, yeah, I don't think we did. In the scene earlier when they're at the Shiz school and Elfie and Glenda become friends for the first time and they're like, let's tell each other secrets. Uh, Glenda's like, well, why do you keep this bottle under your pillow? And she holds up this little green vial and Elfie loses her shit for a little bit. It's like, give it back! Mm -hmm. And takes it and she's like, it was my mother's. It's all I have left of her. And... And later in uh, in uh, the Emerald City, the wizard well, well, gets... Well, yeah. Oh. Well, well, we'll talk about Well, it. no, I meant, like, before yeah, this. Well, she, I guess you're like, the wizard, gave, <laughs> the wizard offers her a drink. Yeah, he offers her a drink. I was trying to just give context, Sorry. <laughs> sorry. But that... Because I couldn't remember if we touched on the bottle, but that's all that's left, mm -hmm. and the monkey hands this green bottle, which was uh, a cherished possession of Elphaba's. And... Yeah, so the monkey hands it to Glenda, who takes the bottle to the wizard. Who takes the bottle to the wizard and shows it to him, saying, This was Elfie's, and she got it from her mother. I've only ever seen one like it, in this very room, when you, the wizard, offered me a drink from it. We then get the revelation that Elphaba was the wizard's daughter, yep. which is why she was so powerful. <clears throat> she was a child of two worlds. Two different worlds, <laughs> never meant to meet. The peasants labor, the grand homme eat. Once upon this island? Once on this island, Once on yeah. this island. Yeah, which, yeah. We'll get to that one eventually. Glenda has had enough of this shit fuckery and tells the <laughs> wizard, 
He has to leave Oz forever. She'll make the announcement to the people, but he better leave now. Glenda also tells the shitstress that she's going to prison and has the guards haul her ass off. When we see the scarecrow for the first time, as he knocks on a trap door, and Elfie pops out. It turns out the water doesn't do jack shit to her and she faked her own death. Scare Fierro and Elfie Witch decide that they are going to live happily ever after, in secret, and that no one can know that she is alive in order for them to both be able to live in safety. Glenda gives a speech to the masses, basically saying that they have been, uh, that things have been bad in Oz, and that she's going to do her best to live up to her name of Glenda the Good. We see a crystal ball and get an image of Scare Fierro and Elfie Witch snuggling, and, and they appear to be living happily ever after. And then it ends. God, I wish the book ended that way. And it, <laughs> it, it's, this show goes really fast. Like, it, it's kind of yeah. funny because, like, uh, you get... The earlier parts were there at school and stuff. Um, like, those parts and stuff are definitely good, even if there's parts that just annoy the piss out of me because it's high school drama, more or yeah. less. Um, and then when they do, like, the Wizard of Oz part, it is, like, super quick. Mm -hmm. It is It, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of stuff like um, Death Note, where you have, like, the beginning part, which is a little bit longer... And then it's almost like the show is like, oh, that's right, we have to wrap stuff up. And yeah. then they just kind of squish it into like mm -hmm. 30 minutes to condense the ending. Yep. But, but, yeah, Glenda sucks the entire show right up until the very end. Mm-hmm. When she's like, when she tells, basically when she thinks that Elphaba's dead, and then that's when Glenda stops being Glenda and becomes yeah. the good witch. And I love when she, you know, she tells the wizard off, and then I love when she tells the the shitstress off, because like yeah. she she th uses a line that that uh, the shitstress used on her mm -hmm. with the whole um, when she first gave her the wand, and she's like, Elphaba wants you to told me that she wants you in the sorcery classes, but I don't think you have what it takes to be a sorceress. I hope you'll prove me wrong. But I know you won't. Yeah. And then Glenda uses that line against the shitstress and says, how do you think you would fare in prison kind of thing? And she's like, I don't think you have what it takes. And But, but I hope that I'm wrong. And they're like, guards, take her away. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and what makes me laugh about that part, too, is that it makes the shitstress laugh. Mm -hmm. that she's like, ha, you used my own joke against me. And now I'm going to prison. <laughs> you know... I think the entirety of Oz, save for Elphaba, all had the idiot ball. Yeah, it's it's a really like, there's weird a lot world. of idiot ball in there. Like even for Oz, there's a lot of idiot ball. There's a lot. There's a lot of weird stuff in the show, just from uh, uh, a story standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure it would be more illuminating if I read the book, but just knowing how fucked up and dark and depressing it is, I'm like, I don't think I want to do that to myself. Yeah, yeah. But I like the show. I'm glad. Um, I did not like it as much as The Wiz. Mm-hmm. Because um, I still think out of, out of all the Wizard of Oz versions, the 2015 Broadway version of The Wiz that we... Saw mm -hmm. is my favorite. Absolutely. Probably followed by... I don't know. 
don't know, because the original Wizard of Oz is, you know, a quote-unquote classic, even though... I mean, I don't hate it, but it's... It's, it's safe. It's safe. It's very it's very average for me, mm-hmm. granted, but it, it is a much older movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's got that that aspect about it. Um, I would say I probably like Wicked more than the Wiz movie, mm-hmm. but there are things about Wicked that bug me more than the <laughs> Wiz movie. Um, if we were to do a tier zoo ranking, you'd have <laughs> the Wiz 2015 at S tier, and then the Wiz movie and Wicked. Would they probably, share B or they, A? They'd probably share B. B tier. Because I don't think, then... I don't, well, I don't know. Because Wicked has, uh, see, and this is where I get into it, because then it's like, I focus sometimes too much on some of the story stuff, and... That's fair and, to but, do. But I forget that music like the music is really good Mm -hmm. and and that needs to be taken in consideration too i don't know so when it comes to everything because i know for sure that for me Wiz is right up at top and then everything else is just kind of (laughs) this amalgam this this amalgam that's beneath the Wiz. (laughs) so (laughs) but wicked yeah wicked had some really good stuff i think one of the reasons that the wicked that uh wicked kind of bothered me a bit was uh glenda just yeah. because she's so fucking annoying for most of the show, mm-hmm. and just I just you I just you just want to slap her. You just want to. Oh slap my god! Her. Well, there are so many scenes too where because uh, your sister watched it. Fiero with us. too want to slap the shit out. Of yeah, Fiero. your sister watched this with us, and I was just leaning over to her, just going, "Doesn't this remind you of every single <laughs> straight white girl when we were in high school?" Just like. Yeah. I'm gonna rub my butt up on you, but I'm not gay. <laughs> she, she does that. She does. She and does it's like, that. Uh, make signals, lady. <laughs> the art direction in the in Wicked was really good, though. I I art like the costumes. art direction for it, save for the hammerheads. Oh yeah, save for them, the art direction is really amazing, and I think that is because they reference so heavily on the art from the original books. Oh, that's fair. I would say the the Tin Man looked an awful lot like the classic Tin Man yeah. from the nineteen thirty nine film. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really see the lion at all except for his tail because he's yeah. like off to the side, and Tin Man's pulling his tail, and that's mm-hmm. all we see of the lion. Uh, Scarecrow didn't look bad, but he also looked very much like yeah. classic Scarecrow. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, I th- I thought about doing it today at work, but I was listening to an audiobook instead. But I do need to That's listen. Okay. I do need to listen to the wit the Wicked soundtrack because mm-hmm. there are some songs in there that I'm like, I need to listen to those again. Yeah, it's it's a good soundtrack. It's again. Stephen motherfucking Schwartz. Mm-hmm. He knocks it out of the park again because he's fucking amazing. You know, and it, and it is cool to see um, the story from a different perspective that yeah. kind of puts it in a different light. And yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know how to word. I don't know how to word. I feel like, especially for stage... And I would say for movie, if they do, if they just try to keep Wicked, when they do the movie adaptation, just straight, like, play it straight from the musical. Don't, don't do a whiz movie version of the whiz. Well, 
more don't do darker and edgier of Wicked because it's already dark. Yeah, it's already got plenty <laughs> of dark edge to yeah, it. Yeah, and the musical is so good because it balances it out. They they try to balance out the dark because the book gets dark. Yeah. <laughs> and we and you got to you got to sort of judge your audience if people know Wicked the musical over Wicked the book and you're trying to adapt Wicked the musical to film just adapt Wicked the Musical to film. Don't try to make it any darker than it already is, because it's already dark enough. It's already plenty dark. I, I agree Yeah, with that. and especially because, like, it's like what I was talking about last week with The Wiz. Um, they managed to balance out that sort of dystopian feel with it by still making it upbeat in points. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you've got to, because it's Oz. At its heart, it's Oz, and at its heart, Oz is upbeat. Even if it's not an ideal place, even if it's not really a utopia and there's issues in Oz, they still keep it at this level of upbeatness. And so that's what Wicked does well, is you, you have those, you have a lot of down moments, but the upbeat moments are really upbeat and really colorful and really happy and really Aussian. Oh, definitely. And like, you'll like, that's, that's why this, any of the scenes in Emerald city, even if it's shitty, it's still bright and colorful. And so that kind of balances out the fact that things are terrible and unequal and stuff. And, and there definitely, uh, there was more, at least I thought you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but it, I did feel like that there was more social commentary in the Wicked versus any other version yes. of it because the you know you have this very established class system and a lot of mm-hmm. like very overt racism going on. I guess yeah. it, this would be speciesist or something like that. Yeah, and they go into it a little bit more in the book where it is more of a race allegory than a species allegory because they're talking about oh well the animals are closer to the humanoid characters than we originally thought and that's kind of what Dr. Dillamond is trying to show in the book and they gloss over that here because again the focus wasn't on the full plot of the life and times of Elphaba it was <laughs> the life was, and times of Elphaba it was just the focus on the friendship between Elphaba and Glinda because when you're adapting such a big book then you need to find a focus and zoom in on it. And so that's what they did with this. And I do find it interesting that their friendship was built off a practical joke. Yep. Yep. I'm going to give you this garment that I think is incredibly ugly. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say that it compliments you because I think you're very ugly. Yeah. And then you're going to take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. And then our friendship will blossom from there forth because you're gonna then go yeah. and do a really nice thing for me no i i feel for alphabet man yeah. i feel for alphabet so yeah, much we're definitely meant to meant to yep. feel for yeah but it get i'd be funny to watch the original wizard of oz now and just look at alphabet from the viewpoint of wicked and just be like you're the real hero <laughs> i'll get you my pretty and your little dog too <laughs> You do that way too well. 
But yeah, I think I think Wicked is able to do that social commentary because it's because of the standpoint that it's from. Because it's not from the perspective of a five-year-old. Yeah, very, yeah, true. <laughs> and at five, you really shouldn't be needing to deal with social commentary stuff. I mean, as we talked about in Black History Month, that's not the case for a lot of people. But yeah, it's it's still for Wizard of Oz not touching on any social commentary if you're playing Wizard of Oz straight or if you're doing The Wiz, because The Wiz movie did more on social commentary than The Wiz, Wiz stage play. And even oh, then, wait, it was gotcha, just, gotcha. like, very light touches on it. Whereas, like, Wicked, it's from the point of view of an adult-ass witch, so it can be social commentary. <sighs> and then I, with me, not, uh realizing just how late we are into march i was about to say it's okay do we are we going to end this month on another uh Aussian show but this <laughs> is the last show of of this of month. march yeah. yeah this is the last show of march are you uh are you ready for what i'm gonna do for you on the next episode our next episode's gonna fall on on April first. Yep, it'll fall on, it'll fall on my uh, late baby boy's birthday, on yeah, on Kier's birthday, and your one sweet yeah. sweet parrot boy, sweet little parrot boy's birthday, and it'll fall on some very good friends' birthdays too, which so, will be great. So to honor your sweet baby boy who hated my guts, are you going to show <laughs> me a show that would make him happy at my suffering? Well, it. I don't think you're going to suffer with it. Okay. I think you're going to like this, actually, a okay. lot. Um, it's it's going to be... It's a jukebox musical, so, you know... I know you're not a big fan of those. I'm not a big fan so, of those, but I do like this so, one. So. Okay, so... Okay. I yeah. mean, I usually... Okay, I'll be, I'll be curious, because I know you don't like them normally, so if this is one that you like, then... Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I actually really like this one a lot. Um, it's by kind of a team of writers um it is a little poppy so i hope that you like that because i know that you're not a huge pop guy but i mean i like pop i mean i can't name it's like 80s pop so okay. yeah, yeah it's 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 late 80s pop so uh we're gonna be covering whenever you need somebody whenever and i'm i need somebody. really excited for so, this one so is it like a romance um you'll it, it, yeah there is some romance in it yeah it's kind of a shorter musical so so is it the classic tale of a uh, boy meets girl and and girl doesn't necessarily care for boy and then and then boy tries really hard to get girl's attention and... i'm not gonna give you the plot babe <laughs> it's it's just it's it's you'll like it you'll like it it's 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 cute it's it's a fun poppy jukebox musical from the 80s but you're devious and it's april fools and so i know i can't trust you babe you can trust me with anything. The way you said that gives me concerns. Whenever you need somebody, you can trust me. Kay has her sh hand on my shoulder, and all I can think of is uh, Into the Spider-Verse with... Hey. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, next week, April 1st, we get to cover Whenever You Need Somebody. I'm excited. Alrighty then. <laughs> So that'll be it for today. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, 
again, I hope y'all are staying safe out there, uh, as in staying safe in your homes. Um, if you are working in the service industries uh, that are the essential industries right now, please stay safe. Um, I hope they're treating you right. Yeah, they better be treating you right because y'all are heroes, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> y'all uh, in in food service, in the warehouses, in hospitals, y'all are fucking heroes. Um, so please, please be safe. Um, please take care of your uh, older family members. Um, it looks like some of the younger and healthier folks are getting susceptible to this too. So just keep an eye out. Keep yourself safe. Uh, if you're showing symptoms, definitely self-isolate. <laughs> wash your hands. But, yeah, wash your hands. Wash your hands religiously. Can't, can't believe I have to say that. 20 seconds at least. I actually do more, but that's because I like the feel of water and stuff on my hands. And then I'm just sitting there like, ah, this is nice because I live in a desert. <laughs> So thank you all for listening. Yeah. If you want to reach out to Kay and I, you can uh, find links to all of our social medias at our website, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. We've got our Twitters and our Instagrams and our Facebooks, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server, where we have a channel in there that is not safe for work, which you probably know by now. And, because... Because uh, me. Uh, <laughs> you also can get a link to uh, our Patreon and our coffee. Uh, we're kind of debating right now on whether or not we're going to keep it up for an active billing cycle just because of how crazy things are for people right now. Yeah, it might be. Uh, it, it, I think we might, like, not make it pay right now, and then once things even out, we'll see. But, yeah, because it's wild out there, man. It's it wild as hell. Um, I hope this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience for all of us. Yeah. Not, not because we all die. Yeah, when I was in my wanting-to-be-an-epidemiologist days as a kid, because of course I was, <laughs> you know, I thought about things like this, but now I'm living it, and I'm like, this is hell. See, it always this just, is hell. It always just makes me think about when I played, like, Plague, Inc. and stuff like mm. that, and I'm like, oh, this is, uh, this is karma for trying to make a sneaky virus. Well, so, like... Fun K tidbit before we leave. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, so yeah, kid, uh, we had internships, and I really wanted to do a virology one. And of course, you did. My mom was like, "K, you catch everything. You really want to go to where they keep all of the deadly things, K." You have to get a flu shot because if you get the flu, you will die. So, you know, don't don't go into virology, sweetie. Go do the chemical engineering one. And I did, and I never looked back. <laughs> and I never went into chemical engineering. But anyway, yeah. Instead, you got your film degree, which inspired us to create our podcast. Yes, yes, it did. But yeah, so uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to go pour ourselves some more tea and take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to beat my head against the wall and hopefully try and forget the hammerheads. Yeah. Just don't flatten your head out because then you'll have to keep your brain in a jar like they do. Or no, their brains are in cans. That's what it is. Yeah. Oz! Is weird! Yes! 
So that'll be it for today. Thank you all for listening. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. This has been Tone Deaf. Now, the third time's a charm. Oh, God. This has been Tone Deaf.